0: I am so honored to be able to be up here and preach the word this morning. Whenever you get to pick uh, a topic or, well, when you ask a question, you don't really know that that's what you're going to be preaching on, so that's pretty exciting. Um, I teed myself up for this. God's goodness is all over the scriptures, and so picking a a passage for this was, was particularly difficult and uh, it's, a, it's a good problem to have. Um, it's one thing that everybody can agree on, that God is good. And so when I say God is good, what, what should you respond with? And I say all the time, God is good. Amen. This is one of the things that um, universally Christians will agree on. It's, uh, it's not disputed. Um, so let's get into the passage uh, this morning. If you would stand for the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Our uh, text this morning is Genesis 50. Genesis chapter 50. That is five zero, not 15. I know I'm bad with my Arkansas accent. That is Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. One more time. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today today. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, this is a weighty topic that uh, we have before us this morning. Lord, you are good regardless of our circumstance, regardless of how we feel. God, this is true that you are good. And while we, we wrestle, we, we cry, we shout, God, let us rest assured in that simple fact. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for breath. We thank you for, for Christ, Lord, for showing us what goodness really is. As in your holy name we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. Like I was mentioning earlier, everybody gets right and wrong correct. Most people will agree on good and evil, that these are categories that we work in, that these are things that we all generally understand as a society. But in recent days, we've seen a shift to people trying trying to claim that morality, what is good, what is right, what is wrong, is subjective and there's a story of a college pastor who one time was evangelizing, and he was witnessing to this young man, and he had uh, gotten closer to this young man, and they had uh, grown in their relationship, and so they'd been spending more and more time together, and this college pastor, he goes to this young man's dormitory, and they're, they're talking, and they're talking about God and the scriptures, and this young man paused, and after a long while, he said, pastor, I I don't think that there's such thing as right and wrong. I think, it's, I think it's subjective. The college pastor looked down and he stroked his beard and he nodded silently thinking to himself and he walks up over to the young man's stereo system and he picks it up and he begins to walk out the door with it and the young man goes, stop! And the pastor, he's like, what? And he goes, you can't do that, it's wrong! Into which the college pastor goes, My point. Right and wrong exists. There is no doubt about that in the mind of humanity. It's just that when you're confronted with it yourself, you deal with it differently than you would if it were happening to somebody else. Everybody knows right and wrong. Have you ever had the conversation about God, though, that, that many people tend to have? They'll be talking about God in this general vague sense. But the one thing that everybody seems to land on, to agree on, that if God is real, he must be good. And so when we talk about God, he is good. It seems like it's an easy pathway to an evangelistic conversation and I don't have the, the book with me, but there's an excellent, uh, it's one of the classical arguments for God. It's, uh, it's called the tele- teleological argument or the ontological argument, excuse me, but you don't need to know that. Um, this, this guy wrote it better than I I could say it, so I'm going to quote him. I don't have the book, so it's a different translation, but it gets the idea across the same. There may be someone who, as a result of not hearing or of not believing, is ignorant of the one nature, that being God, highest of all existing things, alone sufficient unto itself in its eternal goodness, through its own omnipotent goodness, granting and causing all other things to be something and in some respect to fare well. And he may also be ignorant of the many other things which we necessarily believe about God and his creatures. If so, then I think that in great part he can persuade himself of these matters merely by reason alone, if he is of even average intelligence. Everybody knows that God is real, and everybody knows that God is good, whether they like it or not. they as Romans 1 says, they're actually rebelling against that fact. And so I think that this is one of those innate things that when it comes to right and wrong, everybody knows that it exists. Nobody has an excuse before God. People will make right statements about God and his goodness, even if they don't believe. But the one thing that we disagree on most of the time is how do you define good? How do you define good? There was a Socratic dialogue called the Euthyphro Dilemma, and um, this tells you that people have been talking about this for a lot longer than 2,000 years. In 400 BC, the the writing, it was either by Plato or by Socrates, but um, the two characters in this dialogue are Socrates and a young man Euthyphro. And, and Euthyphro and Socrates were talking about the goodness of the gods, because in Greek society, they have a pantheon of gods. And so they're talking about the, uh, what makes something good. What is good? And Euthyphro young Euthyphro says, I think that things are good because the, the gods declare them to be so. And Socrates takes a step back and says, ah, But if it's merely because the gods say so, then can murder be good? Can stealing be good? Can adultery be good if the gods merely declare that it is so? And young Euthyphro takes a step back and goes, huh. And then they're working this out through more dialogue, and eventually Euthyphro goes, "Ah, ha, I've got it. And he says that there must be another standard that exists outside of the gods that makes everything good, that we declare goodbye. Then Socrates points out, and he goes, you've defeated the purpose of calling them gods because whatever that higher power is, that must be God rather than the things that you call the gods. And so people broadly apply this to Christianity But ironically, there's no dilemma here because what they just missed was Socrates' point was there must be a thing that exists outside of these gods that is good. And so this good thing is God himself. Goodness is not something that's created. Goodness is something that simply is. God does not become good. He does not declare good. God simply is good in and of himself. In Scripture, What do we read in Luke 18, 19? Jesus says, talking about the rich young ruler, he called him good teacher. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. All the statements about God being good in the scriptures, God is simply good. There's never been a time when he wasn't good. There's not a time when he will be more good than he already is. God simply is maximally good always. God is good. So when we define good, we must define it in terms of God and how he has declared it in his word. Consider creation. Genesis 1 and 2, when God makes something, it was good. When he finished his creation, he says that it was very good. God can only do good because he himself is good. John 1.5, 1 John 1.5, gives us this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dichotomy, yes, in which to think of goodness. In 1 John 1.5, John says this. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So we have two categories here. We have light we have darkness. So there's a very clever saying that you've probably heard a million times. What is darkness but the absence of light, right? So, but in God, God is good. God is light. And light, what does it do? It, it cuts out all the darkness. There can be no darkness where there is light. And so God himself is good. And where he is, there is goodness. And if you and I are created in the image of God and that image dwelling in us, that must be how we think of good. There are things that are plain, visible in the light, right? You know, whenever a deal is done, if a deal is done in the dark, it's something shady. It's something that probably shouldn't be going on. But if a deal is done in the light, it's something done with integrity. It's verifiable. It's good. It's good. So when we think of God and goodness it's it's yes and no it's black and white quite literally. And so when I said God is good all the time all the time God is good I want to I want to kind of tweak that a little bit God is good all the time but in all the times plural God is good. No matter what your circumstance is, God is good in the midst of it, regardless of how dark things might seem. A uh, dear brother of mine put it like this. He says, the circumstances you find yourself in don't define God. God defines the circumstances that you are in. And this is where our passage this morning really helps because we're at the end of Genesis, in Genesis fifty twenty. This is after Joseph's brothers had done all these horrible acts to him. And this is what he means when he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You see, Joseph's brothers, what did they do? They were jealous of him because he was the favorite son. Joseph was a dreamer. So they called him the dreamer because he dreamt a dream that he would be over his brothers. And this dream that he had, he said that they would bow down to him. And this was the final straw for his brothers. So they said one day, they said, let's kill him. And one of the brothers didn't like that. He thought, wait, 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 wait. We can't kill him lest his blood be on our hands. Let's um, tie him up and bury him in a pit and they thought, okay, well, maybe. So they did that. But this brother had better plans, because he thought, if I come to the rescue, dad's going to really like me, and I'll be the favorite son. But then the other brothers, they see some slave traders coming by, and they think, let's just sell him into slavery. And so they do that. And from that point on, Joseph was a slave. Not only was he a slave, he was accused of Rape or almost committing rape of Potiphar's wife. So then he was put into prison for an unspecified amount of time. And then after all this pain and hardship and evil, he was put at the right hand of Pharaoh. So when Joseph, or yeah, when Joseph says this, he says, What you meant for evil, but God meant for good, he says it that, that Many may be kept alive as they are today. God, he had purpose in them selling him into slavery so that he would be at the right hand of Pharaoh so that he would have this dream so that Pharaoh would store up grain so that they would sell it so that his brothers would come back to him and that God would have the 12 tribes of Israel right there and they would be brought back together and you get the rest of the Pentateuch from there. It is a crazy thought to think that God is ordaining every single moment of every single action, whether good or bad. God means it for good. And so when I say in all the times God is good, some some smart atheist out there is probably thinking, well, if God is really good and he's ordaining these things, then how could God allow murder and theft and all these other horrible things? If he's ordaining them, how is he not evil himself? But we have to make the distinction between primary and secondary causes. Let's say that I am in a particularly awful mood one day, and I just, I'm ready to just let somebody have it and, and I've just got my phone in my hand, and I, and I see a message light up on my phone, and I'm just so infuriated that, I, that this person has finally, finally done it, broke the needle that broke the camel's back, and I just go, boom! And I throw my phone on the ground, and it just shatters. What is the primary cause of my phone shattering? It's me, right? We're not going to look to the other person and be like, this is your fault! Why did you break my phone? While they might have led you to do it, there was nothing in them that forced you to do that. You were the one that ultimately pulled the trigger. And so with God's purposes, God being good, he doesn't have to coerce you to do evil. We're sinful. We are wicked. We are evil people. Without God saving us, we would do no good at all. And so... Whenever we see God using evil, it's our own evil. It's our own desire, our own fleshly nature that performs the deed. God is in no way tainted by that evil. God doesn't have to coerce you to do it. You will do what is in line with your sinful nature. You will sin because you are a sinner at heart. So if God uses evil for good let's 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 bring this a little bit let's bring this a little home it's easy for us to ask the question where is where's is god when when my grandparents die where is god when when my mom dies where is god when my spouse is diagnosed with terminal cancer where is god when when my best friend has only days left to live where is god when one of my former students takes his own life. He's only a few years younger than I am. Where is God in these things? And if he is there and he's good, why doesn't he do something to stop it? You see, what these people mean for evil, God means for good. And in the moment, that seems like, a, it seems like a harsh reality, doesn't it? It, it? How can you tell somebody who's in the midst of, of their suffering, of their, of their times, how can you tell them that God is good when their wife just died, when their mom just died, when one of their dearest friends just killed themselves? How can you say that? You can say that because, A, Scripture speaks to it plainly and we should rest in that fact. But but B, God has purpose in your suffering. There is not a single moment of your suffering that God does not use for a better purpose, for a glorious good purpose, for His good purpose. In this chapter in Genesis, God's good purpose was to save many people, In the New Testament, what is one of the most evil, wicked deeds to ever happen? It was the death of God incarnate. The only good man to ever live died a criminal's death. Not only that, if you read Acts chapter 2, verse, let me get this right. Maybe. Hold on, Tina. You're, You're cheating. Yeah, 23. Thank you want to make sure i had my notes right acts 2 23 and acts 4 27 and 28 acts two twenty three says this jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of god you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men and then in acts 4 27 and 28 says something similar it says, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, uh, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. The crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ was predestined by God the most evil, wicked thing to ever happen in all of history, God Himself predestined that to take place. He ordained it, He ordained the means of it. He had all the people there that He got all the people there that were there to do this deed. And yet, God meant that for good. The most evil deed in humanity or in all of history meant the most good for the rest of humanity if jesus christ did not die suffer the most wicked deeds ever have happened on this earth you and i would not be here today we would not be here worshiping the risen lord as we do we wouldn't be contemplating the goodness of god Some people have coined this as cosmic child abuse to which I say you don't understand the point of the message of the cross. The gospel is literally good news. And as we've been talking about what is good, it's good news because Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the tomb. (laughs) You're forgiven of your sins if you would repent and believe in him. This is good. God is good. He gives us good news by the most evil deed to ever happen on this earth. Isn't that a bewildering thought? The greatest, the most good man to ever live. The only good man to ever live had to die and die like a criminal at death. How evil and wicked that was. But how good it is to be able to reflect on that now and see that a good God has a good plan for his people. Amen? What a glorious thought. And so in all the times, God is good. God's goodness doesn't invalidate your pain, nor does it take away that pain. God's Goodness in the midst of evil gives your pain a purpose. God's goodness in the midst of evil helps us to be confident, gives us confidence in God that whether there's something down the road that he has in mind for us to witness to somebody else to, or it's just for our character in that moment to test us. God is doing something with your pain. He has purpose in it. trying to tread lightly here. How many Christians do you know? How many solid Christians do you know that have, how many Christian couples, I should say, that have had a miscarriage? How many of those stories have you ever heard where they go, that was meaningless? Whenever they have to witness to a family who just suffered the exact same thing a few months down the road. How often do you see somebody who's experienced the loss of a friend who took their own life? How often does somebody else take their life and you have to minister to somebody else down the road through that? God has purpose in your suffering. Whether or not you see it in the moment doesn't matter. You have confidence in the fact the simple fact that God is good. And I I just want to kind of finish our time this morning in Romans chapter 8. So if you want to turn there, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 verses 28 to 30. Romans chapter 8 verses 28 glorified. God, if you love God, He is working every single evil, pain, suffering for your good. Not only that, He's doing it so that you would be conformed to the image of Christ. He's doing it so that you would be glorified in heaven. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Every moment of pain, every moment of suffering, reflect on God's goodness. He is good and he's doing all these things for your good. There's that word again, good. And if you're an unbeliever hearing this message today or sitting in this crowd today, know that God is not working for your good if you don't love him. Know that your ra- that his wrath abides on you if you don't believe in him but if you would but if you do believe and if you do say that Christ is Lord you'll be saved and that your pain is purposeful it's not meaningless so church family in the midst of so much suffering this these past few months it has been it's been a hard few months for us all so we've had so many losses so many hard news that we've had to go through just um, yesterday, um, somebody who is very, very close to me, somebody who has been a big supporter financially of me being here, he passed away yesterday. And just it just seems like dying and terminal cancer has just been one thing on top of another for us here. But how good is it to rest in God's goodness? This morning, what I want us to gum away with is that God is good all the time, and in all the times, God is good, so while you're suffering right now, be confident. You have a Savior who died the most evil deaths for your good, so that you can be confident in God's own goodness. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your kindness. God, we thank you for who you are. You simply are good. God, it's out of your goodness that we get the good news of Jesus Christ. God, that you would purpose the most evil deed in all of, all of history for a good purpose. <laughs> How wild is that thought? God, help us to, to, to rest assured that even in the hardest of times, in the hardest of trials, in the, in the hardest and the most untimely of deaths, Lord, that We know that you're good, that you are working for our good, that, God, you have a purpose in everything, that there is not a single act, there is not a single second that is meaningless in any of our lives, Lord. You work all things for the good for those who love you. God, let us walk away confident this morning in our good God. It's in your holy name we pray all these things. Amen.